3: Former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VCEN, the sports betting network.
2: Welcome into the Lombardi line. This show presented as always by DraftKings, Michael Lombardi and Stormy Tony with you. We got a couple of potential divisional round classics on tap later on this weekend. So we'll make sure that we preview those games at length today. Also the coaching carousel is spinning and in some places stopping, which has made your other host, Femia Abebefe, none too pleased. Michael, uh, <laughs> oh Mike, my God. Mike McCarthy <laughs> returning as the head man in Dallas.
3: I mean, Twitter Femi was out in full force. You know, the thing is, is look, and we said this on the show yesterday. I think we often mistake that people that are in their 80s, that they're in a rush to get somewhere. And probably there's some degree of truth to that. But they're also resistant to change. And I think what Jerry basically said to himself when he looked over the whole landscape of what was going on is, look, there's some things that Mike does really well. And we need to repair, not replace. And so, you know, when you look at it, and I said this to Femi today on the pot, I mean, John Harbaugh's won 166 games, 160 games, 99. He's won one Super Bowl. Tomlin, 173 and 100. He's won one Super Bowl. Below 500 record in the playoffs. uh, Sean Payton, exactly the same record pretty much as McCarthy. 160, 98, 9 and 8 in the playoffs, one Super Bowl. Like, okay, so the... The question is, are you firing John Harbaugh if he has a bad game? Like, why is McCarthy subject to getting fired? Well, the reason is, is because the narrative about Mike has been really bad since he went there. Right. Even though he's the winningest coach in Cowboy history, he's got a 62 percent winning percentage. You say, well, like there's a mistaken idea that this is the most talented team out there. They have some talented players. There's no question. But their offensive line when they go on the road has been problematic. Their defense, losing the losing digs. They, they're not a great man-to-man team. We know that with Gilmore's kind of down in the tooth. They're not a great zone team. Their linebacking play isn't great. They're starting Jonathan Hankin as a defensive tackle. He got cut by the Raiders. So like I don't know where this I got. They got some really good players. They have a quarterback who's top ten, not top five. Like, why are they underachieving? Like, why is that? Because they're America's team? Like, why does Mike have to get fired after a game? Again, I don't, that was a horrible coaching performance. They under, they really undervalued the Packers. But to me, this fire him and if you believe that then if Harbaugh he should have been fired after the Tennessee playoff game at home last time and he should be fired if he doesn't win this game.
2: So I just I think that where Femi and where a lot of Dallas Cowboys fans are coming from in this standpoint is because you do have this regular season success and it feels like everything's coming up roses. You are the only team ever that has had three straight seasons of 12 wins and not to make at least a conference championship and then it's compounded by the way you you lose this game because everything's set up for Dallas this year in the postseason, Michael, right? Like the Eagles ultimately just fall apart. You win that game against the lions when you probably shouldn't, you get set up to where you're facing a young quarterback who's making his first playoff start and you no show and you look unprepared. And so much of that is because of coaching in that game. So I, I understand like the recency of it and the compounding frustration of being so good and feeling repeatedly like this is the year we're going to win a Super Bowl and then you don't and then you leave the postseason early again
3: right and and I don't disagree that game was horrible but Dan Quinn has to take some of the heat for that game as well I mean Dan Quinn's defense was atrocious and yet he's getting no blame in fact he's got four interviews out there
2: yeah what do we have right now he's got
3: four interviews so he's expected to interview today
2: with the commanders and Seahawks the Chargers tomorrow and he's already talked to the Titans and Panthers
3: I mean, so like it's what I say all the time. There's only two people in the building get paid to win: the head coach and the GM. Everybody else can have bad years or good years. I mean, look, he, you know, Dan—they Qu- gave up 420 yards to Detroit when they played them. They gave up 415 to the Packers. Like, okay, the Seattle had 406 on them. Like, is that a great team? Like, I, I'm not trying to get Dan Quinn fired, but why is Dan Quinn not taking some of this? Sure. Why isn't he taking some of this heat? I, I think to me the expectations were out. Really, they weren't there. I mean, every time they played a good team, we would say, well, you know, they, this can't beat a good team. Well, they can't beat a good team because they have flaws within their team. They have flaws within their team. They're not as talented as we make them out to be. And that's the issue. To me, they're not as ta- they have. Lamb's a great player, right? Look, they miss Zeke Elliott all year. I mean, let's be clear. They, they could not run the football with power all year. They're 20th in yards per attempt. Right, mm. their fifteenth and touchdown scored on the ground. Everything they had to do was through the air. They were, you know, they they were the eighth team in in, in, in attempts and passing attempts for a team that played with the lead so much. You would think that number would be much lower, yeah. but it's not. They did a great job of protecting the football. Like there's some, sh- like McCarthy, you can argue is, you know, is not a good coach. It's really not fair to Mike, but you could make that argument. But there's some positives that came out of this. He's better than Kellen Moore. Nobody wants to admit that. They were better with him than Kellen Moore. Nobody wants to admit that. And so, like, I'm not I'm, – look, he's got one year left on his deal. Why would Jerry at 83 years old want to go through a whole change, new offensive staff, new defensive staff, have to teach the quarterback new scheme, have to learn the people in the building, you know? Like maybe we need to do these three things better and we'll get better. And, and, and I think sometimes we just view the head coach and everybody just wants to fire the coach.
2: So I'm I'm not surprised that Jerry Jones kept Mike McCarthy. I do want to make sure that I make that clear. I just understand the argument as to why so many Dallas fans are are up in arms and are upset. And Jerry you are dead on about the way that he must feel. Like I think that this was probably an easy decision when push came to shove for him to stick with McCarthy. Dak Prescott has even come out and said that McCarthy is a big reason why he took a step this year. But Jerry Jones, in a statement, said that he believes this team is very close and capable of achieving their ultimate goals. He said the best step forward was with McCarthy as their head coach. He said there's great benefit to continuing that progress under his leadership as their head coach. And he also talked about that loss on Sunday, saying that it's not just on him. Like, recognize everything you're talking about, Michael. He said, it's not just on McCarthy. It's our players, our coaches, our front office, myself. There's a Accountability for our results. I'm accountable for our results. The lens we use to view and evaluate Coach McCarthy is holistic. And so here's where I want to take this next, Michael. You said it just now, like about Mike McCarthy as a coach. He's he's a good coach, he's not a great coach. Bill Belichick is a great coach. And we saw the report from Adam Schefter that said to the best of his knowledge, he didn't think Jerry Jones reached out to other coaches and tested the waters. He said, quote, I think he was deciding on what to do with Mike McCarthy singularly. And he made the decision that his team was better off. If you are Jerry Jones and you truly believe that The Super Bowls are what matter, and the postseason is what matters, and this is what we need to do. How do you not call Bill Belichick? How do you not try to test the waters with these other coaches? So are you buying Schefter's report, or do you think he did make those calls behind the scenes?
3: No, I don't think he did. I I think, to me, when he takes a step down that lane, he is going into an area of organizational structure that he doesn't want. Now, that's a whole other conversation, right? We can argue that since 94, the last Super Bowl, this is a 54% winning percentage team. And that's fair. But the structure that Jerry has since he left Jimmy go hasn't changed. He wants to be the spokesman. The team runs through him. Steven and 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 all everyone else kind of runs the front office. But he runs the team. The coach has a role within that framework. And as an owner, he's entitled to that. He's really entitled to that. But you bring someone like Bill Belichick in or Vrabel in. And now all of a sudden you are changing your corporate structure. Right, Will McClay is no longer going to have the biggest voice in personnel. It's going to be coaches and them. It's just something completely different to Jerry. And so after, since 94, right, we're talking 30 years of doing things one way. I don't think he wants to yeah. change that. I think that's why he hired McCarthy to begin with. Because McCarthy and Green Bay never had to worry about personnel. McCarthy in Green Bay was just the, court, was the, office, was the head coach. Ted Thompson did all the personnel. They signed no plan B free agents. They signed no, I mean, free agents, not plan B. They signed no, they, they rarely made a trade. They just did the draft, and he had a bunch of college free agents after the draft. That's it. And Mike was good with that. He was a good soldier. He worked within that framework. Whereas now Jerry goes out and hires Vrabel. He hires Belichick. He's going to change everything. He's going to change his way of life. And at 80, do you know many 83-year-olds that want to change their way of life?
2: Can't say that I do. Um, And and to that thought process, Michael, I, I said this to Femi earlier when we were crossing and he was leaving from GM shuffle. I was like, with Jerry, like let's say he did hire Bill Belichick. He brought him in and they won the Super Bowl next year. That's Bill Belichick's Super Bowl. He's the one getting credit. And I think Jerry Jones wants credit. And he would get credit for keeping Mike McCarthy and being patient if they do get over the hump and turn things around. But they do need to turn things around. One and three in the playoffs for the Dallas Cowboys, a team and a franchise that has not been to an NFC championship game since the 90s, is is unacceptable, right? Like, if you are that organization and you're Jerry Jones, that's the thought process you have to have. So now with Mike McCarthy, is it... I mean, if this is the last year of his deal, do you try to extend him or is this a lame duck situation? Or you just kind of play it out like he did with Jason Garrett?
3: I think you play it out like it's not lame duck. I mean, if you're a great coach, you don't care about your con. You think Mike Tomlin cares about his contract? He'd rather have it all wait and see what happens in the marketplace. Right. If you're Mike McCarthy, you're not you're not a lame duck. If you win, you know, you're going to take care of it. Guys won three, three straight years. And we're talking about his job security. He's won 42 games in 3 years. I mean, you know, look, we, we, you know, let's face it. The great Jason Garrett, you know, he lasted how many years there from 2010 to 19? He won 85 games. He's a five he's a 55% win percentage coach. Like there was an argument to be made. Like what did Garrett do, right? Like there was a fairly good argument. This one there isn't. Like you remove McCarthy and then who's going to coach the quarterback? Who's going to get him to play at the level above his talent grade?
2: Sure. No, I think what he did for Dak Prescott this year was great but at some point you do have to get the postseason success and I hope for Mike McCarthy and for the Dallas Cowboys as a franchise for their sake that that happens next year. Um, We're going to continue talking coaches when we come back. More to discuss with Nick Sirianni. Gerard Mayo was introduced and your boy Bill took another interview with the Falcons. We'll be right back.
4: Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O.
5: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other.
3: This is the Lombardi Line with
5: former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, here is your host, Stormy Bonatone, on
3: vsin, the sports betting network.
2: If you haven't already, make sure you check out our new vsin.com. It's got a fresh new look, enhanced navigation, and a mobile first focus. Time is money in sports betting, and the site's pages have been built to load quickly. We also have expanded our educational content and strategy sections for new and experienced bettors. Check us out vsin.com if you have any questions about. The sunsetting of the Vsin app. Please go to slash faq I know a lot of you miss the app, but like we said, we've got that enhanced mobile portion of it, so I think it still be still will be a really really great experience. Although it is a transition, I know. Michael Lombardi, Stormy Antonio with you. Thanks for hanging out with us here on the Lombardi Line, and we're talking a lot about the coaching carousel and how yesterday we learned that it stopped in Dallas. Mike McCarthy will be retained as the head coach moving forward in 2024 for the Dallas Cowboys and for the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles who are in a very similar situation where you have this great start to the regular season. You think you're on this trajectory for a potential another NFC championship course. Things fell apart for this team, particularly bad down the stretch in that final game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So a lot of these questions have been raised about Nick Sirianni and his future, Michael. He reportedly completed exit interviews with players and is expected to meet with the team owner, Jeffrey Lurie, today to express a plan for the future. But I know you said on the podcast earlier today that Sirianni and Howie Roseman are conducting interviews for coordinators and assistants. So it appears he's staying put. What's your view?
3: Well, I, I think, you know, when Elliot talked about this, we, we had him and you know, he whispered in our ear that the last time this happened with, with Doug Peterson, Peterson didn't present a, pe- a plan to him. And that plan wasn't acceptable. And he moved on from Peterson. And so I think Jeffrey Lurie wants to listen to what Nick says is wrong with the team. Because after the bye week, there were problems that never got corrected. And one of the main focuses of a job of the head coach, especially non-play caller head coach, is to figure out what's wrong with your team and, and fix those problems as you're moving forward, right? That's what the Chiefs have tried to do with their offense. That's what Buffalo's tried to do with the injuries. Those coaches have tried to do that, compensating for the players or the scheme faults within it. We never saw that from Philly. They actually got worse, 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 mm-hmm. worse. They, their practicing wasn't good. Their conditioning was horrible. Their execution. I mean, what a, Brian Johnston, the, the offensive coordinator, he interviewed for Atlanta today. You're going from him to Belichick in a day. That's going to be light years apart, yeah. right? Like, seriously, they couldn't handle a, a six-man pressure. They couldn't handle zero blitz. And there was no adjustment at the game. And so Nick's going to have to answer some hard questions from Lori because – He's got to come with them with a plan to say, okay, here's how I'm going to fix the offense. I'm going to hire this guy. I'm going to hire that guy. I want to bring this in. Here's what we need to do defensively. Here's how I want to change it. And it's not selling yourself. It's being able to have the the aptitude to have a plan to understand what needs to get fixed. See, McCarthy in Dallas, he's got to be able to sit there. And I'm sure they're probably saying, we hope Dan Quinn gets a job. Because then they could fix, then they could go back in and fix the defense. They don't want to lose Quinn. I'm not saying that. But it gives them a chance to kind of maybe bring Mike Zimmer in. They bring Mike Zimmer in, they fix the defense. They, they do a different style of defense what might be more conducive to their personnel. So I think there's an answer there, right? You, you can find it. You have to present it to the owner. And if the owner sees it and likes it, then you're moving forward.
2: And I like that you referenced that precedent with Lori and Doug Peterson a few years back because that does tell you that, okay, the plan that Nick is going to present is very, very important and it means a lot to the owner. It needs to be steps coming forward. And a, a plus certainly for Sirianni, a feather in his cap is that it seems he has the player support. Take a listen to what Fletcher Cox had to say when asked about it.
0: What is it? What is it to talk about? man? Because, man, he's a winner. He's a winning head coach. You know, do we have some bumps this year? Yeah, but every team, every organization, everybody, everybody goes through it, but we don't look at firing a man who, you know, obviously has won 10 plus games two years in a row. That's took this organization to three playoff appearances three years in a row. You know, that's a respect.
2: And there was a a follow up question saying, what percentage of the issues do you think fall on the head coach? And Cox said that's a clown question. So they moved on from that, Michael. But I I think that that does mean a lot for a head coach to have player support and say, like, what are we talking about? We want him.
3: Right. But they're also, you know, the question is, Nick, like your team was falling apart. Why didn't you fix it? Your team wasn't in shape. Why didn't you fix it? your defense couldn't tackle. Why didn't you fix it? Did you know? And I don't know, maybe they did. Maybe they had drills for tackling, but it sure as hell didn't look like it on the tape. Yeah. yeah. yeah maybe they did. You know, I mean, you know, they were old and slow on defense. They really were. Now, part of the problem is design too, right? The production of the team was horrible, but the, the, they were the, one of the slowest defenses in football. They really were. And they're old. They're an older team. This is going to take some time to revamp this all the player all the fans want the, all the older players to come back but they're not the same players they once were including Fletcher Cox once a great dominating player not quite the same so i think i think Nick's got a lot of answering to do from Jeffrey and and he's going to have to present a comprehensive plan in that plan he's going to have to show that he can now do i think you know and when you're reading the news today that Belichick's going down there for a second interview. I have a feeling that if you're David Tepper, you're probably, maybe I might want to make, now, if you have any interest, you better make that call.
2: Yeah. Well, and I I also think, too, just to tie in the last little snippet of this Philly conversation, I don't think that Bill Belichick is committing anywhere until he knows about this opening as well, right? Because, you, I, I mean, Philly it could be, a good spot too with the talent that they do have and I know there are a lot of flaws there are a lot of issues like you mentioned but a defensive mind like Bill Belichick would make a whole lot of sense to help improve that unit um also michael while we're on the topic the the successor to bill belichick was officially introduced in new england yesterday and i I liked a lot of the things that he had to say talking about establishing um, a collaborative team culture and he also talked about balancing being himself not trying to be bill belichick but also respecting the past which is something we talked about yesterday here is gerard mayo
0: Bill always says this, managing expectations. For me, I'm not trying to be Bill. I'm not trying to be Bill. I think that Bill is his own man. Uh, If you can't tell by now, I'm a little bit different even up here. Uh, But what I will say is,
3: you know, the more I think about, the more I think about, like, the lessons that I've taken from Bill, hard work works, right? Hard work works, and, and that's what we're all about.
2: I know you watched and listened to to the whole thing. How did he do in the press conference? What was your evaluation?
3: Well, I I mean, I think he, you know, the first thing he did was the smart thing was, look, I'm not Bill. Nobody's Bill. I can't be who Bill is. I can't, you know, I'm not going to be able to be that guy. And so, you know, and he was his own man. He was forthcoming. He was out there. Uh, He looked very relaxed. I mean, the work ahead of him, the collaboration ahead of him, it's going to be interesting. Because he's got a lot to do, right? You're taking over for a guy who did a lot of things that I'm not sure even Mayo knows how much he did. You know, he's, you know, wrote reports on college players, handled a lot of stuff was going through his desk. And Mayo's not going to be able to handle all that. He's going to need to rely on Matt Groh, Elliott Wolf, Patrick Stewart, some of the guys in the personnel department to help and rebuild the team. It's going to have to be collaborative. There's no question about that.
2: And as far as the GM portion of it goes, Robert Kraft said he's exploring all options, wants to see what's in-house and in the marketplace. So going through that evaluation process, acknowledge it's been a quarter of a century since they've had to do anything like this before, because as you reference, like everything that went on in that building, every decision that was made went through Bill Belichick. So this is a very, very different structure that you're going to have here. And from a personnel standpoint, I think that's important. And I think that's a good thing. When you look at the New England Patriots last 10 drafts, Michael, 18 first and uh, first and second round picks, one pro bowler who was Mac Jones. How's that working out right now? Zero first time all pros, zero players that signed to a second contract with the team. The last one, I think, was Dante Hightower. So it has been a minute and, and they need some of those organizational changes.
3: Right. I think they do. But here, here's what I think people miss the boat. Like what is going to be the organizational philosophy? Like, who are we now as the Patriots? Mm. See, nobody asked that question. Like, what are we now? Are we going to be a big, fast, physical football team that can play well in in complementary football? I mean, that's the fundamental question. Somebody's got to repair the philosophy. Somebody's got to walk in there and say, here's who we are. This is the kind of football team I want. And so Kraft can say he's got no involvement, which... He's written a book called Destiny, and, you know, they've got a 10-part documentary series coming out about how involved they are. So, I mean, you can say you're not, but you are, or else those books wouldn't have been written. Uh, And the reality of it is, is you've got to have a philosophy, and that comes from the ownership.
2: Sure. Um, As for Bill Belichick, this last minute here, uh, the favorite is still Atlanta. We just said it. He's had his second interview with the Falcons, too. The more I keep thinking about it, the more I like it.
3: Yeah, well, I think a lot of it's going to come down to today, tomorrow, whenever they go down there. You know, he's going to meet the executive committee, whomever Terry Fontenot and Ryan Poles and maybe some of the people in the personnel going to meet that. You know, this is a discovery period for him, too. Right. Because if he's going to go down there and work, he's got to know what what blank, who he wants to keep, who he doesn't. And he has to feel comfortable with them.
2: Yeah. I wonder how much of those conversations are Blank and the team interviewing him and him also interviewing the team, given his pedigree and all that he has done. So I to be a fly on the wall in some of those conversations.
3: Well, I think, I think he's interviewing them because everybody who is in the building is calling, having their sources call him, recommending them. So if you're Ryan Poles, you're having Sean Payton call, you know, that kind of thing.
5: This is the Lombardi line with former NFL executive
3: Michael Lombardi. Now, here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network.
2: Start your morning with a daily dose of winning strategies, insider tips, and the latest buzz with the free VSIN daily newsletter. You'll get expert analysis and the latest odds delivered straight to your inbox, absolutely free. Every single day, today's newsletter, honing in on the divisional round, a couple of games with big spreads coming up this weekend. vsincom slash newsletter is how you can subscribe. And let's get into some of those games as we welcome in Mike Samich to the show. v host of The Handle every weekend, 4-7 to Pacific, 7-10 to Eastern with Matt Brown. Also, of course, professional handicapper. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. I, I know you had Green Bay last week, plus the points. Who could have ever thought that they would put up that type of a performance, though, against the Dallas Cowboys? Was that one of your biggest surprises? Or, or you obviously liked them, so did you like them that much?
6: I, I did like them quite a bit. I had them rated as the third best team in the NFC heading into the playoffs, uh, just a little bit behind Detroit and uh, obviously behind San Francisco. So wasn't shocked they were able to put up that performance, but the way they did it, I think, was the most surprising part. Being able to jump out 27 to nothing and really dominate that game from start to finish was not what I expected. Uh, we talked about Jordan Love last week. I mean, he has been phenomenal. In last nine games now, seven and two, 21 touchdowns just one interception. This, this Green Bay offense is absolutely humming. And the loss of AJ Dillon actually been a positive for them. We've seen Aaron Jones go for four straight hundred yard games without AJ Dillon in there. So I like the fact that you've got Aaron Jones just being the bell cow back. And then you've got this plethora of wide receivers and young tight ends that are all good pass catchers for Green Bay. So able to spread it out to all these different weapons and going to be a fun game in San Francisco this week. I, I, I don't have a Green Bay ticket on the money line, but I, I do think the Packers could be live this weekend.
3: Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, I know she doesn't want to hear that. She this, is, this is, <laughs> you you roll you there, Mike. Just put Slow your roll. A, you just put her in a deep, dark depression, and now we still have an hour and 15 minutes of the show. How about the overtotal in this game? Do you, do you like that? I mean, I think when you go back and watch good offenses against San Francisco, I think San Francisco's defense is a little overrated. And... I do think that the Green Bay Packers can pass protect really well and they throw the ball effectively. They'll score, but do you like the over at 50-and-a-half?
6: I I do like the over quite a bit in this one, Michael. And and the reason is is why you laid it out there. Look, San Francisco is going to get theirs. This is not a good Green Bay defense. They gave up back-to-back NFC players of the week earlier this season, followed up by giving up over 300 yards passing to Bryce Young. San Francisco should be able to come out and move the football effectively, especially with Jay Alexander missing the second straight practice today. But I think Green Bay is going to be able to score as well. And, And to me, if you like Green Bay plus the nine and a half, you're in a lot of ways saying, hey, this game's going over because you are you're accepting that it's going to be a shootout and that Green Bay is going to be able to put points on the board. And since I'm someone who does lean toward the Green Bay side here at plus the nine and a half, I think this game is going to absolutely fly over the 50 and a half total. This Green Bay team's just been a dead over team since Jordan Love has really been able to figure it out. Uh, they're seven and one in their last eight games to the over. San Francisco's four and six in their last, or four of six over in their last six as well. So these are two teams that, offensively should be able to be effective against the defense they're facing. And I don't see a world where you don't have points early in this game, which creates one or the other to be chasing. I love the fact that Green Bay took the ball against Dallas when they won the coin toss last week. I expect they're going to end up with the football either way. If they win the toss, they're going to take it and try and go after San Francisco early. Shanahan generally defers to the second half, so I'd expect he does the same thing here. If the Packers can get on the board early, This is just going to fly to the over. So really, really like that 50 and a half total out in
2: there. I like that thought process and what you mentioned there with Green Bay and the way that they started and just ran the ball down the Cowboys throats from the jump and were scoring at will. Like that's my one fear is that they will get a lead early and then San Francisco's in a position to chase, which is not their game. They don't have success there. They like getting a lead, kind of playing, leaning off that way and just maintaining, maintaining, maintaining. It's a different thing when you're chasing. And so. That's what I'm trying to avoid. So if I, if you guys could just bring the vibes in a little bit more positive way, that would be great for me. But another over that I was, I was actually looking at was this Bucks-Lions game. I think that's another situation where we could get a lot of points. You don't have the total, but you do have another play on this game. How are you angling it?
6: Yeah, I missed the 46 and a half on the over. And because I missed that, I didn't put a play in on the over here at 48 and a half, 47, 48. Very important numbers when you're playing total. So the difference between 46 and a half, 48 and a half, pretty, pretty big there. That's why I don't have an overbed in, in this spot. I, the Bucks should be able to take advantage of the Lions defense in this spot. They should be able to throw the football. But that Lions defensive line looks significantly better taking on the Rams than I was expecting. and I, I do think that the Lions are going to be able to create some pressure here against the Bucs, and the Bucs just love running the football. I don't know why. They're not very effective when they do it, but they consistently will just run the football 18 to 20 times a game. On the other side, the Lions should be able to absolutely feast on this defense for the Bucs. Amon Ross St. Brown should have another big spot here. I think they're going to be able to move the football through the ground and through the air. I was looking all over the place for a bet in this game, and what I came up with is if you play the Lions, to win the first half, basically money line first half, money line game, uh, you get minus one thirty. So it's double result over at DraftKings.com. Lions first half, Lions game, minus one thirty. I think this is where the fairy tale for the for the Buccaneers ends, and I think people are a little overrating the Bucks off that Eagles win. That Eagles team was a disaster, an absolute mess. And so you can't look at that game and say, okay, this is what we're going to expect from the Bucs every time. You get another home game in Detroit, that atmosphere is going to be absolutely wild. And I think the offense is going to be clicking. I looked at the team total for Detroit over 27 and a half. That's minus 103 as well. Uh, I decided to go with the first half full game result is the best bet in here at minus 130. But I like that team total over as well. I think Detroit has their way on offense.
3: Yeah, Uh, let's go to everybody's on the bills. The line finally moved from two and a half to three. I know you don't have a play on the on the line, but you do have a play on the total. We you know, there's conflicting reports because it's Buffalo could have lake effect snow might not. But the one thing we do know if the weather's clear, both teams proved last week they'll throw the football in cold weather. But you know, you like this to be under the total because why?
6: Well, I, I played the under on Tuesday. So I write an article every Tuesday over on VSEN.com. Gives out a couple early bets. We got that over at 49 and a half. We got this under total at 46 and a half. I'd still play it at 45. Again, talking about key numbers here, 46 and 45, not the most key numbers in totals. Once you get to 44, that's a very, very important number. This is just one of those games. Where you look at these two teams. I'm not sure where the offense comes from. Neither is in the top 10 in explosive play rates. So we're not going to have these big dynamic plays. These two teams know each other extremely well. Kansas City's defense matches up very good against the Buffalo offense. You can send Sneed all over the place with uh, with Diggs. They understand how to defend, and they've defended Allen multiple times. Just look to earlier this season. The game was 2017 in Kansas City, uh, th- 37, way under this 45 total. I think Kansas City tries to keep this game slow and be able to to win with their defense. There's also these two teams also not as dynamic inside the red zone. So you're going to see a lot of threes versus sevens in this spot. And then you have the weather is the final kicker here. We're not sure where we're going to get there. I think this should be an under in good weather. If we get bad weather, I absolutely love it. I'll look at some alt unders, take it all the way down to probably 38 and a half or so on the alt unders. I just don't see where the offense comes from consistently with both these teams. And we've seen them both want to establish the run as well. If you're running the football consistently, that's going to keep that clock moving. And I think you're going to see a lot of Pacheco, a lot of Cook, a lot of Allen on the ground in this game. And if that's the case, I think this thing trends pretty drastically to the under.
2: These teams obviously know each other really well. They've played seven times the last handful of years. Mahomes um, has won the playoff matchups both times they've been at home. How much pressure do you think is on Josh Allen to win at home and move on and beat this team?
6: A ton. I mean, if you look at, at their exits the last couple of years, twice to Mahomes, and we can't forget about Joe Burrow and Cincinnati going up and absolutely stomping this Bills team yeah. in Orchard Park last year. Uh, so I think there's a lot of pressure here on the Bills, not nearly as much on the Chiefs. This is supposed to be Buffalo's year. If they want to get through the Chiefs, this is their opportunity. They get to play at home. Everything broke perfectly for them later in the season. I think it's going to be another disappointment. I, I, <clears throat> I'm i waiting to play the Chiefs here. I'm, I'm going to end up with them. If I get a flat 3-110, I will be on the Chiefs at 3-110. I'll be sprinkling the money line. I think the Chiefs are a better team. And if it weren't for a couple key drops during the season, they would be a higher seed than this Bills team. Uh, I, I don't trust Allen in these type of games. And we saw him throw multiple picks against Miami in the red zone, fumble it there as well. I trust Mahomes more in these spots, and so until Allen's able to do it in the playoffs, I'm going to side with the Chiefs. So I like the Chiefs plus the three. If it gets to minus one ten, I think we're going to keep seeing Buffalo money. So I'm just waiting it out at this point.
3: Yeah, I'm with you. I think the, the 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 Chiefs have kind of figured it out a little bit better offensively. Kelsey's what? He's eight weeks without a touchdown pass. I mean, that's still an issue. Rasheed Rice is playing better, but I'm with you, Mike. I I think you know everybody. Well, Mahomes never played on the road. Seriously. He's Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> I don't think it's going to bother him. Communication might bother him, but playing on the road? No, I don't think so.
2: And this, be-
6: this is the best defense and the best rushing game they've had since he got there as well. If you want something for the road, it's an offensive line. That's tough to travel. You want that defense. You want a running game. Kansas City checks all those boxes.
2: I was going to say, 30 seconds. I know you have a prop that you wanted to give out, too, so if we can squeeze it in.
6: Yeah, you got it. Give me Lamar Jackson. Over 52 and a half rushing yards in this spot. He ran for 51 yards. Uh, I'm sorry, he ran for for six, over six yards a carry the first week that they played each other. He's going to be relied on in the running game, especially with the running, running back injuries that Baltimore has been dealing with all season. I think he flies over that 52 and a half number. This isn't a great defense against quarterback runs in Houston.
2: You're the man. The Thank Samba Bomb himself. Thanks for doing this.
6: Thank you, got you Mike. Good, good luck this weekend.
2: Yeah, great Thursday spot. Uh, good luck to you as well, my friend, Mike Somich. Again, make sure you check him out Saturday and Sunday. The handle here on v and DraftKings Network, 4-7 Pacific, 7-10 to Eastern. When we come back, we're going to continue this divisional round conversation because three of the four games that we have upcoming were regular season matchups. So different game or more of the same from what we saw earlier this season. We'll be right back.
4: Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O.
5: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other
3: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on v the sports betting
2: network. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Football League postseason, is bringing you an offer that'll help make the playoffs electrifying. New customers can bet five bucks on any game and get two hundred instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use our code Vegas only on DraftKings Sportsbook with the code Vegas V E G A S. The crown is yours, and maybe you want to use that promo on one of the games that we're going to discuss here for the divisional round because three of the four matchups coming up this weekend are actually rematches from the regular season. So, will we see a different game or more of the same from what we saw in these early season games? Let's start with the Texans and Ravens, Michael, because it has been so long since they faced off. It was a week one matchup Mm -hmm. that I unfortunately remember pretty vividly as somebody who had J.K. Dobbins on her fantasy team. It was just all downhill from there as he tore his Achilles to start the year. But the Ravens end up winning that thing 25-9. It was before C.J. Stroud turned into the rookie sensation that he has been now. How do you think things will compare from that early season week one game?
3: Well, I I, I look, there's two CJ Strouds essentially, right? There's the home CJ Stroud, who's outstanding, right? And then there's the road CJ Stroud, which is, kind of been okay, you know, but they've only turned the ball over six times on the road this year. Six, that's all they've done. And, and, and of those six, remember the Bengal game where they got ahead and the bang, and they turned the ball over late in that Bengal game, made a game out of it? And so they moved the ball up and down the field on the Bengals. That was one of their best offensive days. They had 544 yards against the Bengals. I, I think, to me, the challenge that awaits Houston offensively is – can they get the ball into the end zone? Are they going to be able to make explosive plays? Remember, last week they had a four-play drive, a one-play drive. I mean, then they had two pick sixes for touchdowns. That's 28 points on very little effort. They earned it. I'm not saying that. But that you're not going to get that against Baltimore. You're not getting one play, throw the ball in the flat, miss two tackles, touchdown like Cleveland did. So... I think it's going to be a harder game. They averaged 19.5 points on the road. They, they, they allowed 21.5. So it's a little bit of a different game. He's got to protect the ball. But I, I think when you go back and watch the tape, there was opportunities. They just couldn't get it in the end zone. They couldn't run the football. But here's what I would say. If you like the point spread, Lamar wasn't very good in the game. And the yeah. reason Lamar wasn't good in the game is because the athleticism of the Houston Texans front – can run him down. They can run with him. Like most of the time he'll play defensive fronts that are slower and the tackles can't catch him, and the ends usually can't. This front of Houston with their linebacker, their speed, they can.
2: Jackson in that game, 17 to 22 for 169 yards and did throw a pick Um, as a whole. They had a couple turnovers that game. He also rushed for 38 yards on six carries. And we just heard from Mike Somich moments ago that he likes Lamar to be able to run the football a good bit here to get over that 52 and a half rush yards. It appears also he'll have a little bit of of a new body in in the run game here. You see Dalvin Cook got brought in and they Mm -hmm. released Melvin Gordon. Does that move any sort of a needle for you, though?
3: Well, they couldn't put Melvin Good on the field. They can't trust him to hold on to the ball. I mean, why do you think Cook's out of the game for Buffalo late in the game? They, they're worried about him fumbling. They're worried about him fumbling. And so you couldn't put – you had to go to Cook, which was great for them. I, I'm not I, – I, I mean, Stomach may be right, and he's certainly way better at that than I am. But when you play against a zone team who's constantly has the ability with their eyes on the quarterback, it's hard for the quarterback to get a lot of yards running. If you're playing against a man team who turn their back to the quarterback and, and don't stay their rush lanes very effectively, then yes. Houston, well-coached. I think D'Amico will do a good job of coordinating the front to keep, will, to keep Jackson from running. I think, it's going to be, I think they're going to have to make plays in the passing game to win the game.
2: Yeah, and a good thing in the Todd Monken offense that there has been a shift for Lamar Jackson to grow in that area this season. Um, also, it appears Mark Andrews up to full practice today, so good news on that front for him to get him back in the fold. The spread in that previous season matchup, also, by the way, 9.5, which is where we sit right now for the divisional round matchup, total 43.5. Let's go out to Lions and Bucks. These two played in Week 6. The Lions beat Tampa 20-6, to six, cashed as a 3.5-point favorite. Total stayed under the 40 and a half. It was a great day for Jared Goff, 30 of 44, 353 yards, two touchdowns. Mayfield did turn it over in that game with a pick. Amon Ross St. Brown, 124 yards for him that day. Do you think that the pass game is able to continue to have that success here in the postseason?
0: I
3: think when you go back and watch it, the the, the game was, the Bucks weren't as healthy as they are now, offensively and defensively. And so, yes, I do, you can't blitz Goff like they did they did the Philadelphia Eagles because they can pick up the blitz. I think that I think what he's going to have to do, Todd Bowles, is kind of a little bit of borrow the game plan that was enacted by uh, by Raheem Morris in the second half. He shut down that run game, and it made it very challenging for Detroit to make plays outside of their play-action pass game. I, this What worries me about this game is Tampa, I think Samich put it really well, Tampa can't run the ball, but for some reason they try to convince themselves they're a run team, you know, and like last week they could because they're so poor at tackling the Eagles. But this week it's hard to run the ball in Detroit, oh. and they couldn't run the ball in Detroit when they played them at home. So this is game that's going to be in Baker Mayfield's hands and that worries me on the road.
2: Yeah. And Rashad White, by the way, in that game was the Bucks' rushing leader, had seven carries for just 26 yards. So uh, going to need to have a little bit more improvement in that area if you want to have success. But I will say credit where credit is due for what Baker Mayfield has been able to put together this season. Because when I was talking about the NFC South coming into the year, like I thought that The Panthers would be a dark horse, which (laughs) RIP to that take did not uh, land well for me. But otherwise, it was like we're talking Atlanta, and New Orleans, like people just kind of shuffled the bucks down to the bottom of that list. So for Baker to lead this group to not only the playoffs, but now the divisional round, I think, is is huge and says a lot about him.
3: It really does. I mean, and, and he's had his moments of where he's been good. And he's not been very good. Right. He's had some moments of good and some moments of bad. And, you know, he's been able to keep the the team likes him. You can see it. You know, the team really buys into him. They're going to need Mike Evans to play really well. They're going to need Mike Evans to have a a really good game because if he can come in because he could make some plays on the secondary. There's so many plays to be made. But the last time they played them, they weren't they couldn't make any plays. And so I think that – and Baker wasn't able to make those plays. I mean, Baker was – you know, he only had 19 completions in the game. Mike Evans was just four catches for 48 yards. So you're going to – he's going to have to play really well because they're not going to run the ball on this front on Detroit, especially with the crowd noise.
2: No doubt about it. Let's get to this Bills-Chiefs game that you love so much. Obviously, these, play, these two played most recently, week 14, where Buffalo won 20-17, to cashed as a one-and-a-half-point underdog to Kansas City. The total stayed under 49 and a half. Josh Allen, uh, another game where he did have a turnover, no surprise, but 233 yards and a touchdown is a big day for James Cook, who had 141 total yards from scrimmage. These two teams know each other very, very well. Different game or more of the same from what we saw in week 14?
3: I think it's a different game. I think it's going to be a different game in the sense that the Chiefs started slow. The Chiefs started with interception, punt, punt, punt. That, that's got to change. You're not winning on the road, starting interception, punt, 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 As the Steelers, right? Mm. That doesn't work. So they're going to have to kind of get into their rhythm fairly quickly. They're going to have to handle the crowd noise, and they're going to have to be able to run the football with some confidence and not get away from it too soon. And Buffalo, look, we know this about Buffalo. Buffalo is prone to make some mistakes. This front of the, of, of the Kansas City Chiefs is good. I mean, I think Chris Jones is going to have a good game. And so this has got to be – you want this to be not a track meet. You want this to be a little bit like in the middle of the ring. You want it to be a slugfest. And I know the Chiefs are not a physical type of slugfest team, but this is one where Mahomes, if he can make enough plays, it's got a chance. I I think the game, the way it went the last time they played, I don't think it's going to be that kind of game. I really don't. I think the Chiefs will play better defensively. I really do. And I think they'll play – I mean, look – the Chiefs threw for 271 in the game, yeah. one of their better passing days. You know, they had enough offense in the game. They did. They just, they just couldn't make the plays when they needed them down the stretch. And they started too slow.
2: And we are back to that two and a half point spread now, total 45 in the game coming up this weekend. I feel like it's going to be a field goal game, one way or another, like so many of the classics that we've seen in this series. And you talk about Mahomes needing to continue to make plays. He does that in the postseason against this Buffalo team. You look at the regular season numbers for Patrick Mahomes against the Bills one and three, seven touchdowns, five picks, 64% completions, average scoring 20.8 points per game. In those two wins that they have had against Buffalo, Six touchdowns, no picks, 75% completions, average 40 points per game. He is a different animal in the postseason and specifically has found ways to step up in big moments against this team. I know that Josh Allen and the Bills want redemption. I would love to see them get it. I am rooting for it, and I'm probably going to end up putting my money on it. But Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, they're going to be a bear to get through.
3: I know. And the last time they gained all these yards, they only had the ball for 24 minutes. Yep.
2: All right, we got to step aside. We'll be resetting with hour two when we come back, get back to a little bit of the coaching carousel and continue to preview each and every one of these divisional round games. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll be right back.
5: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80 live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City.